0: Well, I'm glad you're here tonight. Take your Bibles, please. Go to Joshua chapter four. So, did you hear the words of that song when it, when it says, "I just can't help but praise Him"? <laughs> uh, I think when you really get in, you just can't help it. That's right. Amen. All right, Joshua chapter. Just a minute. And then we're going to be in Joshua chapter 5. We're just going to read a couple verses in chapter 4. So we've been taking the account of the children of Israel crossing into Canaan, and we're making an application to our church as we celebrate 40 years now uh, as a church body. Last time we considered the 12 memorial stones which were set up in the river, and also those 12 stones which were taken out of the river and set up on the other side where they crossed. And remember that those memorials, those memorial stones were taken out of the midst of the obstacle, out of that which seemed insurmountable and out of that which most people probably would have assumed it wasn't the will of God and perhaps we should go a different way, was the very place in which the memorial came from. And so don't be so quick to just uh, say it can't be God's will because something's in our way. It could very well be that the memorial that we're going to have, that our children are going to look at and ask us about, is going to come through those kind of adversities where we just trust God and go forward in faith. And the fathers were to teach the children about that memorial when the children asked, what mean these stones? But how would the children ask if they never saw the stones? So I believe there's an application for us parents that we have to take the effort to take our kids to some spiritual things where they can at least ask some questions. It may not be anything physically that you can take them to anymore, but we can certainly uh, testify to them what God has done in our life. And I don't want my kids to grow up never knowing really why we came to church. You know what I mean? But what is it that we're doing? So anyway, we got to take some time for that. We need the memorials to testify of God's greatness on our behalf. And so the application was, are you willing to walk by faith into the obstacle in order to get that memorial that will help you to teach your children? Let's begin tonight in Joshua chapter 4. Let's read verses 19 and 20. The Bible says, And the people came up out of Jordan on the tenth day, Of the first month, and encamped in Gilgal, in the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. Now, chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan. From before the children of Israel until we were passed over, that their heart melted, neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. At that time, the Lord said unto Joshua, make thee sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. And Joshua made him sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise. All the people that came out of Egypt that were males, even all the men of war, died in the wilderness by the way after they came out of Egypt. Now all the people that came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness by the way as they came forth out of Egypt, them they had not circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people... That were men of war which came out of Egypt were consumed, because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord, unto whom the Lord sware that He would not show them the land which the Lord sware unto their fathers that He would give us, a land that floweth with milk and honey. And their children, whom He raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised, because they had not circumcised them by the way. And it came to pass, when they had done circumcising all the people, that they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Wherefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal until this day. And the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the fourteenth day of the month at even in the plains of Jericho. And they did eat of the old corn of the land, and on the morrow after the Passover unleavened cakes and parched corn in the selfsame day. And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land, neither had the children of Israel manna any more, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. So as you know by now, I am not smart enough to map out where we're heading even next week. And so the fact that we've landed on this on the Sunday before we start our anniversary days and celebrate 40 years, um, I think it's pretty neat because this is a good thought for us to consider right before we cross over 40 years. So here's the children of Israel, and they finally crossed into the land of Canaan. Remember, it was over 400 years earlier that God covenanted with Abram and uh, that his lineage would possess the land. The generation uh, before this generation had the opportunity to go into the land, but they failed. Their faith failed, and because of that, they were not allowed to enter the land, they They looked at the giants, and they didn't think God was able to do what God had promised. And so that generation had to die off the scene. They had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years for that to happen. I heard a stat the other day. I didn't take time to try to verify it. But if our numbers are somewhat correct on how many came out of Egypt, then they would have averaged about 83 funerals a day. That's pretty shocking, isn't it? And so just a constant reminder of their failure that they did not have the faith to go in. Out of that huge group of people, only Joshua and Caleb were able to enter the land because they had the faith back then to trust God to fight their battles. And I find it interesting that as this generation here enters the land, God just doesn't send them into battle right away. And I was thinking today that it's interesting to me that they're going to get circumcised on the west side of the river where the enemies could easily approach them, and they're not going to be fit for battle for a few days. I just found that interesting. I don't know. It's not really a point or anything. I I guess just how good God is, and he can restrain, he can withhold the enemy and all that kind of stuff, Um, because I'll guarantee you if they knew, they probably would have went over there and took care of business because that's what a couple of the sons of Jacob did later on. Anyway, so it's just interesting here that um, they don't go to battle right away, but there's something that has to be dealt with, and that was the issue of circumcision. Um, We learn from our text that Israel did not accomplish circumcising their males while they were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years those who came out of egypt were circumcised but those born in the wilderness were not and i read some opinions why there are some very good opinions that are kind of make you think a little bit on why they stopped observing that in the wilderness but the bible doesn't tell us for sure god told joshua to circumcise all the children of israel and joshua obeyed and he did so now what made this important at this time why, why at this point, why didn't God make it an issue in any of the 40 years before? Because listen, there were times when they would camp in one place for over a year. And so it wasn't like, because one of the theories is, well, they were always on the move. They weren't always on the move. I mean, they, they would camp for two months, three months, a year, the Bible says. And so why now? Let's go to Genesis chapter 17 to try and get some help on that answer. Genesis chapter 17, let's read verses 1 through 14. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect, and I will make my covenant between me and thee and multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with thee and thou shalt be a father of many nations." Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make thee, and I will make nations of these, and kings shall come out of thee, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised, and ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every man child in your generations, he that is born in the house or bought with money of any stranger, which is not of thy seed. He that is born in thy house and he that is bought with thy money must needs be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised man child whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. Now, we don't have time to get into all that tonight, whether it was snowing or not, because there's a lot here. But this covenant, it differs from the one that God made with Abram in Genesis 15. Um, it's, It's not a big deal to many, but I believe it's a big deal. When God made a covenant in Genesis 15, he did so with Abram. When he makes the covenant in chapter 17, he makes it with Abraham. And to many, that's one and the same, and it doesn't mean a whole lot. And I understand it's the same person physically, but the names have different meanings. Abram means that he would, uh, he's a high father. We might say a distinguished father. Abraham means the father of multitudes, which God goes on to explain at the end of verse 5 by saying, A father of many nations have I made thee. Abraham was going to be a father of multitudes, right? Not just a high father. He was going to be a father of multitudes, nations, which not only would include Ishmael and Isaac, but when the Bible says nations there, it's the Gentiles. It's the heathen are included in that. And so what we understand when we begin to compare Scripture, and especially when you get in uh, to chapter 18 it's clear that God was going to bless all nations through Abraham. All nations. And so um, that includes all the Gentiles. That includes all of Israel. And how was that possible? We know it's only possible by Christ. Christ is the promised seed of Abraham. And in him, it becomes possible for all nations of the earth to be blessed in this one man It's just an amazing thing. In verse 7, God calls this an everlasting covenant. This is also known as the new covenant. They are synonymous. You might use the term Abrahamic covenant. So you have uh, this everlasting covenant being talked about here. And the sign of this covenant between God and Abraham was circumcision. Every man-child was to be circumcised on the eighth day after they were born. Why circumcision? Without being too descriptive in here, it left a mark. The Bible calls it a token here. It's called a sign in other locations in the Bible. And it left a reminder upon a location where it was a constant reminder that the promised seed was to come. Does that makes sense? And so God used circumcision as a reminder to say, someone greater is going to be here. There is something better down the road. And so it was a constant reminder for Israel uh, in a most obvious spot for them to remember that the promised seed would arrive one day. Romans 4:11 says, "And he received the sign of circumcision, speaking of Abraham, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had yet being uncircumcised. So he had the righteousness before uh, God entered into the, the covenant sign of circumcision, uh, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. And, and of course, Paul there in Romans, he's refuting the fact that you're saved by the law. He's telling us we're saved by faith, and so he's trying to explain all that. But really what I want you to get from that is circumcision was a seal. It was a sign of the righteousness of the faith which Abraham had. Anybody who places their faith in Christ, the Bible says we're circumcised in heart. Right? Everybody with me? Um, And and so it's the sign, it's the seal And one would say, "Uh, but Abraham didn't know Christ. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. The Bible says that the gospel was preached unto Abraham and he believed it. And Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. And so there's certainly possible, uh, by Jesus' own words, I was before Abraham ever was. And when God preached the gospel unto Abraham, he believed it. He, he knew Christ as his Savior. And so the children of Israel cross over the Jordan River, and there they are circumcised. And just another thought that kind of popped in my mind as I was thinking about the two and a half tribes that stayed on the other side that had no memorial, that missed out on God's best. I, I just got to thinking about what did they do during this event? We know that 40,000 fighting men came across the river from the two and a half tribes. No doubt they would have been circumcised this day. But what about all the other men on the other side? Just a thought there that we just need to get in on God's best or else we're going to miss out on all kinds of things. And so back to this question from earlier, why did God command this now? I believe it was likely to remind them how all that was taking place Reminding them how all of that had come about. To remind them what they were to be about. It reminded them of the covenant God made with Abraham. It was to remind them that there's a promised seed one day which would arrive. It was to remind them that righteousness can only be imputed by God for those who will place their faith in Jesus Christ. But it was also to remind them that the land they were about about to inherit was all of God's doing. And this is where I want to start emphasizing the message. God said in Genesis 17, 8 there, uh, And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. There's a lot more to that verse than meets the eye that we're not going to get into. But anyway, God said, I'm going to give you the land of Canaan. After 40 years of wilderness wanderings, over 400 years since the promise was given, the children of Israel are circumcised to remind them of the covenant that the land was being given to them by God. Let me say that again because you need to get that. They're being circumcised as a reminder that this land you're inheriting right now is because of God. God is the one that orchestrated it all. God wanted them to know that it was nothing that they could do in their power. It was nothing that they could do for their glory. But it was all because back there 400 years earlier, there was a man who put his faith and trust in God, and God made a promise to that man, and God said, I'm going to keep my word. We also see in verse 9 the act of circumcision was a sign that God had rolled the reproach of, back in Joshua, I'm sorry, in verse 9, that God had rolled the reproach of Egypt from off of them. Uh, that's why it's called Gilgal. Gilgal means a wheel, like a rolling. And so that's why God said, I have rolled the reproach of Egypt off of you. And there's varying opinions of what it means to have the reproach of Israel rolled away. Uh, Was it because they had come out of Egypt with no identity of their own to speak of? I mean, they just came out from Egypt. Uh, Maybe here it's because uh, they had to bear the shame of the previous generation. They had to bear that shame of refusing to take the land, and they still had the stink of Egypt on them, if I can put it that way. And so they, they have this on them, Um, And so one thing's for sure, when they take the seal of being the children of God, they're getting an identity which separates them from the nations around them. Now there's a difference. There's a marked difference. And going into the land of pagans, they needed to be different. They didn't need to look like Egypt. They didn't need to be like the world. It had to be different. And so at this point, they no longer bore the image of Egypt. But now they had the seal of the covenant of God upon them in their flesh. And they identified now with the one true God and not with the gods of Egypt. What did that previous generation do? Well, they had a molten calf. These be the gods which brought you up out of Egypt. And God's now taking that reproach away from them and they're being identified as God's children. Well, that's great. What's the application for us tonight? None of what we see today just happened. None of what we call Liberty Baptist Tabernacle was completely of our doing. Isn't that right? Um, We don't exist because of our power. And we don't exist for our glory. But back there 2,000 years ago, there was a man named Jesus. Who was also God in the flesh. And he died and he shed his blood. And God made a promise to his own son. And he said, I'll give you the heathen for your inheritance. And here we are today. We're gathering as a church body. Not because of something we did but because Jesus said, upon this rock will I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. and Like the children of Israel, there's times where we need to just kind of come apart and remember what this is all about. Isn't that right? Because we'll get caught up in just the routine of everything. And there's times where we just have to kind of pull back and get the reminder of the very basics of things. The children of Israel had to be reminded, look, uh, you're not getting this land because I-, I think you're some kind of great people. You're getting this land because I made a covenant. I made a promise. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold to that promise. And I want to tell you today, we're not crossing over 40 years because... We're some kind of great people. But it's because God is merciful. God keeps His Word. He keeps the covenant that He made. And under that new covenant, God says, The gates of hell shall not prevail against you. And I thank God for that. We're about to cross over 40 years. And we have to be reminded that it's all about Christ. That's what the seal of circumcision was. That's why it's not a requirement anymore. The promised seed has arrived. And we have to be reminded of what we're doing here. It's about having God's righteousness imputed unto us through Christ. It's about having the reproach of the world rolled off of us in Christ. It's about us being different than the heathen around us. It's about us identifying with the Lord. And we need to remember as we go forward into the next 40 years, it's not by our strength and it's not by our might, but it's by His Spirit, saith the Lord. Amen. I hope you're seeing the parallel that I'm trying to make here because sometimes I feel like I'm not communicating this very well of what took place here and what we're going through. Before they went to war, they needed to be reminded what the fight was all about. And as we conduct our spiritual warfare, we got we to be reminded what it is we're doing. What are we fighting? Who? What are we doing? Who are we doing it for? What is all this about? Why do we run the vans? Why do you go on the road and promote the press? Why do you teach the teens? Why do we do what we do? It's all about Christ. It's all about Christ. And if we start to lose sight of that, God help us. Finally, we see they were about to keep the Passover. And the principle was taught back in Exodus 12 that you had to be circumcised in order to partake of the Passover. And so they had to get that right before they could partake of the Passover. And it was to put them in remembrance, the Passover was to remind them how they came out of Egypt. We celebrated the Lord's Supper this morning to remind us how we were brought to Christ And so they were being reminded by the Passover that uh, they had to come through the Passover lamb. The blood had to be applied. And that's how they came out of Egypt was through the blood. And that's how we've come out of bondage is through the blood of Christ. But God was trying to get them to see... You cannot be holy in this thing until you do it my way. And I know this sounds just like Sunday school, but I sure didn't intend it to be. But God means for us to do things His way. And He said, you've got to be circumcised. And so they partake of the Passover. And we must always remember all of this. All of who we are, all of what we do is because of the precious Lamb of God gave his life for us and shed his blood we've been redeemed and reconciled by him let me give you one last application i'm trying to hurry tonight i know the roads are bad in verses 11 and 12 it says and they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the passover unleavened cakes parts corn in the self-same day And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna any more, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. The miraculous provision of the manna given by God had come to an end. And God was showing them that the manna was not just something that happened. It was God's provision. And so it wasn't just some act of nature, if you will. But now they were to eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan. And I sure thank God for his miraculous provision over the last 40 years. Please take this the right way. But how long can we live off of the miracles of yesteryear? At what point will we need to go into the land and gather fruit for ourselves? I think of my children. They are currently being blessed in our home because God has bestowed blessings upon Adrian and I. You understand what I'm trying to say? They're enjoying the blessings that God has given to us as parents. But the day's going to come when the manna's going to cease. They're going to be on their own, and they're going to have to get their own fruit. As a church, I think in many respects, we're still living off the miracles and the provisions made by the previous generation. All those sacrifices... But when is God going to say, okay, now it's time for this generation to gather in their own miraculous provisions? In both cases, God's the provider. And I really hope I'm not looking into this too much, but I see the difference in provision. And I think, are we just going to stand around here and hope that manna begins to fall for the next 40 years? Does this make sense what I'm trying to say? i don't know if I'm expressing this right, but we can't just keep looking around for what God did for that generation. We have to step forward in faith and see what God has for us. Let's remember what we're doing here. Let's show the world that the reproach of Egypt has been rolled away from us. And let's go get the blessing God wants us to possess in the upcoming 40 years. I hope this week, this anniversary week that we're celebrating, will be a time where we can just pause as a church and remember what all of this is about. And just take stock of what we're doing. Remember who made it possible. And of course, God made it possible. But let's not forget God brought the Williams out here. Let's not forget the sacrifices that they made. I've not had to live in the basement and take sponge baths. I'm living off of the sacrifices they made. you understand what I'm trying to say? I didn't have to leave a good church and come out to Rapid City and start a church in an area that was in desperate need. I couldn't imagine starting a work let's not forget how all of this came about. We'll say more during Anniversary Week on the history of our church, so I'll kind of leave that there. But um, I love you all, and it's an honor to pastor this church. Let's just remember what we're doing and why we're doing it. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you for your word. I pray it was communicated in a way that made sense tonight. I feel like I... Lord, I hope that the heart of the message is communicated that uh, we can't do anything without you. And may we not get in just a routine and just this, this spirit of, well, it's the same thing we did last week. God help us, please. As we begin another set of 40 years, Lord, may there be fruit like we've never seen before. But let's always look back and remember the sacrifices that were made that made all of this possible. Thank you for those charter members back there that stepped out in faith. (laughs) And Lord, because of that, I stand here today It's just strange to think had they not followed your leading and followed your will, I would not be in your will. So thank you for their faithfulness. And God, the direction of our children will depend upon our faithfulness. So I pray you'd help us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.